All right, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your host, as always, Derek Wills, and I am super glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, thank you for tuning in very much. I uh, truly appreciate it. So, I've been kind of off the past couple of weeks for for the most part, uh, but now we're back full swing, and we got a lot of good things coming up in the future. Uh, I can't go into too much detail, but uh, there is going to be uh, myself along with uh, LSGR founder Justin Delosh. Uh, we are going to be featured in an upcoming issue of Time Magazine, which I know is not friendly to our cause, but uh, this project uh, has been... I think the project is going to be a pretty good project. Um, I can't go into details right now until the the actual issue comes out. Um, but it was a great experience. We uh, met a lot of really good people over the weekend. And I'm, I'm going to get into this a little bit more uh, later. But first, I want to thank our sponsor here at Lone Star Gun Talk. And that is The Bunker. The Bunker is a veteran-owned and operated small business in the Texas Hill Country specializing in products for those who long to thrive in the outdoors. Whether you're looking for unique tactical gifts or preparing for natural or man-made events, they have the products just for you. Go to thebunkertexas.com to check out their inventory of bug-out bags, tactical packs, first aid kits, MREs, and much, much more. Be sure to enter the promo code LSGR, as in Lone Star Gun Rights, Promo code LSGR at checkout to let them know that we sent you and you'll receive 10% off your order. Again, that is thebunkertexas.com promo code LSGR. Okay, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I teased uh, quite a few stories and I covered all of them except for one. And that is a woman, a t a, an 18-year-old woman in Oregon who was suing... Uh, Walmart on discrimination uh, grounds because they would not sell her a rifle because she was 18 and not 21. And I didn't even cover it at all. The thing is, I teased it in the opening and I just skipped right past it. So I'm going to go over that now, especially because there is new news about it. So the original story was family of Oregon teen denied gun by Walmart once the same fine that was handed down to anti-gay wedding cake bakers. Hannah Brumbles asked for $135,000, the same sum awarded in a previous Bureau of Labor and Industries uh, discrimination case, but her father says Walmart countered with an offer of $150. Uh, I don't think that would even cover uh, like a consultation with some attorneys, but uh, okay. Uh, an Oregon teenager who filed the discrimination complaint with the Oregon Boley Bureau of Labor and Industries after Walmart refused to sell her a rifle uh, wants the same amount that uh, they handed down to a to the baker who refused the, to bake the cake. Uh, she is from Deer Island. She filed a civil rights complaint with Bully in April. Bully investigators found that Walmart had violated state non-discrimination laws and filed a formal ch formal charges against the company on August 21st. Um, basically, this what this boils down to is that Walmart set a policy that we're not going to sell to anybody under 21, even though federal law requires. Um, 
only you to be 18. But here's the here's the kind of the follow up on what exactly happened. This is from Ammo Land. And they said, in, or- in Oregon, a young woman has, has won her civil rights case against Walmart. Um, the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries found this week that Walmart store in St. Helens violated the state's non-discrimination laws when it refused to sell a woman who was not yet 21 years old. Hannah Brumbles, 18, of Deer Island, Oregon, filed a civil rights complaint when the state agency, with the state agency in April. She says Walmart discriminated against her by refusing to sell her a rifle, even though Oregon law says individuals over 18 may, legal, may legally purchase firearms. In Oregon, the policy ran directly into Oregon state law forbidding age discrimination. Uh, and this is an excerpt of the law. Except as... Pers- provided in subsection 2 of this section. All persons within the jurisdiction of this state are entitled to the full and equal accommodations, advantages, facilities, and privileges of any place of public accommodation without any distinction, discrimination, or restriction on the count of race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, national origin, marital status, or age if the individual is of age as described in this section or older. Now, federal age discrimination law does not apply in this circumstance uh, and only applies to those who obtain benefits from the Department of Labor or to employment matters. Uh, But this isn't one of those. But what's funny is the Oregon uh, Bureau of Labor and Industry did agree with her in her suit. Now, it doesn't actually say if she got the full $135,000 that she was seeking, uh, but it's interesting. Now, what might surprise some of you is I don't agree with this lawsuit. Now, why would I not agree with this lawsuit? Surely, somebody who is pro-gun rights uh, should believe in everybody's ability and right to purchase and own a firearm. Absolutely, I do. But I'm also a very, very, very pro-capitalist. I think that companies should be able to set any and all uh, discriminatory factors that they want and let the free market handle it. What a lot of people don't seem to realize, and I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but what a lot of people don't seem to realize is the power that we have as individuals in the free market. If we don't like the way a business operates, then we boycott and we go elsewhere. And either that'll have one of two impacts. Either it will be a negligible impact and the company will keep operating and thus the market has spoken because people are continuing to go there. Or it will hurt them so significantly that they will either change their policy or go out of business. Because most people in the market do not agree with that policy or what have you. And, you know, some people have even asked me, like, so you think that... uh, you think that it should be illegal or perfectly legal for a company to discriminate against somebody for, say, race? Yes. Yes, I do. I think it should be perfectly legal. That doesn't mean I support them doing that, but I think that as property owners, they have the right to do that. It's their business, if, and if they want to say, if they want to show, if they want to tip their hand as to what egregious human beings they are by posting a sign out front that says, we don't want anybody who's black in our store or anybody who's gay in our store 
we don't think that their money is of equal value for whatever reason, if they want to post that up, by all means, do it. You will be out of business so quickly. It will not even, I mean, that will be the dumbest mistake anybody ever makes. Let them do it. This isn't the 1960s anymore. Um, the market will speak and the market will handle that, especially in this day and age where we have uh, social media where all it takes is an instant. You can't even put up and delete a tweet in time before somebody has captured it and it's there forever. People, people mistakenly, quote unquote, tweet out things and then they delete it. But the tweet still exists because everybody can read it because somebody took a screen cap of it and it's gone all around the interwebs. So keep that in mind. I mean, we got this, the spread of information across this country, across the entire planet is so ridiculous and unfathomable, uh, just even compared to like 30 years ago. That you can't you can't get a get away with anything, and so yeah, by all means, let people discriminate as much or as little as they want to, and let the free market handle it. I don't agree with it. I don't endorse the idea of discrimination. Everybody's money is equally as valuable or worthless, however you want to look at it. Um, so you know, if you want to say I want to sacrifice off or chop off an entire uh, sect of my target demographic. That is the dumbest business decision you have ever made, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, she did. Uh, she did win her suit, which I guess is a good thing. I just don't agree with the fact that it's illegal. I think that a law doesn't need to exist to say companies ought not to be discriminating because that might hurt people's feelings. Um. But anyway, I digress on that. I just wanted to really talk about this, especially because I completely spaced on it in the uh, last episode. And uh, yeah, okay, so moving on. There was a video that we posted up, or we shared it. We didn't originally post it. We, we shared it. It took place in a Walmart parking lot. And it was of an altercation between a, a white guy, a pregnant woman who was black, and then a third party who just happened to witness it and came to interject himself. And he was also a black guy. Um, and it was, it was interesting the way the whole thing worked out. I'm going to play at least a little bit of the audio from the video and kind of narrate to you what's going on if you haven't had a chance to see it. If you, if you want to see it, please go to our Facebook page uh, and scroll down. You will eventually run across it. Uh, one of the things, though, that I must tell you is that the original poster of this video uh, had said that the that the guy that came up to harass the pregnant woman was a suspected W.S. And what that means is suspected white supremacist. White supremacist. English is hard today. And he's not. Okay, let's, let's just be real here. Uh, he's just an idiot. He's not a white supremacist. Not everybody who gets in an altercation with a, with a, with a black individual is a white supremacist. Uh, but it, it, the guy was very, very, very much wrong. He should not have been, he should not have interjected himself into this entire situation because he was the cause of it. And it almost got him killed. Had the guy who interjected into this argument uh, not shown restraint, 
the white guy would have been shot and killed. And uh, so, anyway, I'm going to play this for you and kind of narrate it. All right, so basically what's going on here is this woman's standing outside of the passenger side of a car, and uh, basically he's yelling at her, and apparently her daughter's the one that's driving, I'm guessing. And now the, here comes the other guy. Now he pulls out his gun, he unholsters his weapon. Now he never actually points it, he just unholsters it and points it straight at the ground. Then he ends up holstering it again. Now, he's not, he turns his back to the white guy trying to tell the pregnant lady, go ahead and get back in the car, I got this, don't worry about it. Now, what's interesting is he turns his back on the perceived threat. And now the white guy is getting very, very, very aggravated. Now the white guy here is getting very angry that he's trying to tell people that this guy has a gun and it's no nothing's happening. And then he gets angry and shakes his fists and punches him. And then the black guy immediately just clocks him back in the face. Now he, he remember he said that you are a foul mouthed man at the, at the beginning of the altercation. Now, a subsequent story has come from this video because it went pretty viral, um, and it turns out that the uh, the white guy's name was it was not released, but the black guy and the pregnant woman. Uh, were identified. The The guy that intervened, his name is Derek Brown. And and the woman is named Felicia Russell. That's the pregnant woman in the video. Now, Derek Brown has a valid concealed carry license uh, for the state of Florida. And uh, 
police said that he didn't do anything incorrectly because there was a threat made, and that's when he unholstered his weapon. He never actually pointed it at anybody, uh, but he did reholster it, and then the assault was in self-defense because uh, the white guy ended up uh, throwing the first punch, and he just retaliated. And as far as the aftermath of this, uh, Derek Brown said that he's not pressing charges against the white guy, which I think is great, actually, to be honest. I mean, granted, this guy was very, very much wrong, but I think the lesson was learned that you don't, you don't lose your cool over something so insignificant, and you certainly don't get so frustrated and uh, threaten people and... <laughs> And ultimately try and punch them when you know that. I mean, the thing is, had this actually turned into a fight, he would have been destroyed. I mean, if you look at this video and you look at this guy, he's he's not a, a very very manly man, if you, if you know what I mean. He's wearing shorts with socks pulled up over his calves and a tucked-in T-shirt uh, he, and clearly he's very, very, very much triggered by the fact that this guy has a gun and nobody is, is upset by that fact, which I thought was actually quite an interesting detail in the video. Um, but I think he learned his lesson. I think he learned a valid lesson and especially one that could have ended up very much worse had things just deteriorated ultimately. Um, so it's a great learning lesson for everybody, all the parties involved, I think that Derek Brown did exactly the right thing. I don't agree that he should have unholstered his weapon, uh, but I don't disagree with the way that he handled it. I think that uh, merely showing that he was armed would have been enough, but, you know, even he reholstered it shortly after unholstering it, so I, I think that he handled it beautifully. There were a couple of mistakes made. But I definitely commend Derek Brown for running to Felicia Russell's aid. I think that was um, the the proper thing to do, and I think that he handled it overall quite well. And uh, in the end, nobody was seriously injured, and all lessons were learned all the way around. So it's a it's a great it it's a good story with a good learning experience for all of us. So I mentioned in the opening a project that I was working on with Time Magazine. And obviously, historically, they haven't been very gun-friendly, so to speak. And I think that it, people were definitely in the right with warnings saying, hey, make sure that you're not going to... Uh, you're, you don't get taken out of context. Make sure that you make us look good. And there's definitely something to be said for that. But after my experience this weekend, I, I kind of have put to bed most of those concerns. Um, assuming that the project goes exactly how they explained it to me, uh, then Time Magazine is deserving of a huge commendation from everybody because this is going to be a wonderful project and I cannot wait for it to be uh, released so I can share more details about this. But uh, there were a lot of great people there that I met. Uh, I met, uh, well, uh, Chris McNutt, who's a executive director of Texas Gun Rights, whom I've worked with 
uh, before in the past. Uh, Chris McNutt was there. Uh, state rep Jonathan Stickland was there. Uh, Thomas McNutt, who ran an unfortunately an unsuccessful primary campaign uh, for a Texas House district up in this up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, was there. Um, there were a couple of other uh, lobbyist types as well as like some competitive shooters, um, but it was truly fantastic. And one of the individuals that was there is uh, Mark Hughes. And his brother, Corey. Now, Mark Hughes, you, you might not know who he is based off of his name. But in 2016, when uh, five Dallas police officers were shot and killed, uh, Mark was mistakenly identified by the Dallas Police Department as their suspect. And he had nothing to do with the shooting. Now he is a Black Lives Matter uh, supporter, but and he and he showed up there with a Black Lives Matter shirt, and I sat there and I talked with him a little bit, uh, him and Corey both, and it was a great conversation. It really was truly fantastic, and I have uh, I took I took a picture with him and I. I I posted that up on our Facebook page, and I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed in a lot of the comments that I've been receiving on it uh, because some people are are leaving our organization because apparently because I sit down and have a conversation with somebody and uh, take a picture with them, that means I fully endorse everything that they have to say. And so, yeah, that that's apparently what that means, and that's silly. So uh, one thing that... Mark, Corey, and I all do have in common is we support gun rights. Uh, Mark showed up, and uh, in the picture that you can see, he's got an, an AK uh, on his shoulder. Corey brought his AR platform, and I brought uh, one of my ARs, and that's the picture that we took. But all three of us are gun rights supporters. Where we differ is kind of a semantic difference whenever you really get down to it there's not there's some misunderstandings that i i learned i didn't realize this until i started talking with them but there are some there's some things that i didn't really understand and that's not to say that i'm giving up my principles or what i believe in because i'm not but i think that it definitely warrants a deeper conversation and so I've invited Mark and Corey both to come on the podcast. And we're still trying to figure out the schedule on this, so I don't know exactly when it's going to be. But I look forward to having both Mark and Corey come on the program. We're going to talk a lot. I, I plan on talking about a lot of things. I want to talk about um, Black Lives Matter. I want to talk about what they believe and why. And I want the conversation to go both ways because – there were some things mentioned in our conversation that we had where I learned something and he learned something that, that he didn't know. And that's really, really important. You know, we need to get past this idea that if somebody doesn't agree with me, then they are my enemy. We need to get past this idea that uh, we need to paint everybody with a broad stroke and because they, they're all the same. You know, uh, obviously, uh, I'm a supporter of law enforcement, but that doesn't mean I believe all cops are good cops. 
There are plenty of examples of awful cops doing awful things. There are plenty of examples of uh, awful cops doing awful things and getting away with it. They're not representative of the entire police force. And yes, what we have seen of Black Lives Matter in the public eye, what we have seen of their organization has been only what's pre presented in the media. It's not a it's not a conversation, it's a soundbite. And whenever we make our judgment entirely on a 10-second, 20-second soundbite or, or a news article about somebody affiliated with the organization and paint the whole thing as this must be everybody or this must be actually what this re organization represents, then that means that we're essentially no different than the people on the left who say all Trump supporters are alt-right, alt white supremacists, nationalists, uh, and racists. You know, it's a ridiculous notion. Now, I'm not saying that I believe that Black Lives Matter as an organization is a, is a good organization. I don't, I just realize that it's time for us to actually sit down and have a conversation about it, about everything. Let's talk about race in this country. Let's talk about racism in this country. Let's talk about what it means to be uh, a young black man growing up in an urban area and what that's like for that individual. You know, let's, because all we do is speculate. And yes, there could be plenty of things that were taken out of proportion there could be plenty of things that are taken out of context. There might be misunderstandings on their end about, you know, wh why we support things that we support. I mean, hell, something that instantly jumps in my mind is our support for uh, Confederate history. You know, the Confederacy was overrun by Democrats. Every single person who adored the Confederate states of, the, of America uh, during the Civil War was a Democrat. All slaveholders for the most part, were Democrats. And the Union was representative of the new Republican Party at the time. Abolitionists were Republicans. The whole start of the abolitionist movement was done by Republicans. The Republican Party was founded on the abolition of slavery. And now... So why would why would we as Southern constitutionalist, many of us Republicans who love history, support something that was created and and fought uh, for by Democrats? Well, I know the answer to this. It's a, it's much deeper than party and belief. It has nothing to do with slavery in our view, but. How are how is somebody like Mark Hughes going to know that if we don't sit down and talk about it? And the same can be said for us. How are how are we going to really know what Black Lives Matter or even just the DFW areas ver, uh, chapter of Black Lives Matter? How are we going to know really what they stand for and what they mean if we don't sit down and talk about it? Yes, there's videos of some Black Lives Matter organizations chanting in the streets, uh, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, uh, anti-cop stuff. There's uh, some senior Black Lives Matter official uh, on the record saying that white people are, are 
an abomination to the planet and need to be eradicated from Earth. Yeah, you can draw a lot of conclusions off of that, but do you really know things? You could or you couldn't, but you won't actually know if you don't, if you don't sit down and talk to them. And a lot of people were giving us kickback on in the comments on our Facebook page because they were saying things like, oh, what, so you want to just sit down with the Aryan Nation and the Nazi Brotherhood and, and this, that, and the other? What about Antifa? You want to sit down with them? Yes. Yes, I do. I would love to sit down with them and figure out why they believe what they believe. doesn't mean I endorse their ideas. It just means that I want to understand what they're thinking and why. I want to understand why they feel the need to, to do X, Y, or Z, why they believe in certain political ideologies. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that right there could be the, the one thing that helps save this country. We are so divided right now over everything. You know, uh, the, the, the shooting uh, of Marquise McLaughlin that I brought up uh, like a month or so ago. We were divided. People in the comment section were divided on that because some of them were saying things like, oh, one last thug uh, in the streets. Well, you don't know anything about that guy. Don't draw conclusions like that. Granted, I, I, I don't fault you for having uh, prejudgments of, of people. It's, it's kind of natural for us. There's nothing wrong with, being, with having prejudice. There can be something wrong with having prejudice. There can be a huge fault with prejudice, but prejudice is natural. It's been, whenever you take in information, you are conditioned essentially to believe a certain way about a certain thing, and that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it could prove to be right, and sometimes it could prove to be wrong. But unless you actually know, you know, individual to individual, you won't actually know. And so... Whenever we're divided on things like whether or not a shooting was justified or whether or not somebody is just being, a, you know, a, a, a snowflake or, or too hypersensitive about X, Y, or Z because feelings, well, okay, sometimes you can draw make an educated assumption on that. In fact, a lot of the times you can, and other times you can't. I mean, the, the audio that I played earlier from the um, Derek Brown incident. Obviously, the white guy there was a huge uh, snowflake for the most part. I don't know what actually led up to that. For all I know, he could have he could have just had a, an argument with his spouse over something or, I don't know, his dog could have died. I'm not saying that makes anything that he did right, but how would I know? Now, ultimately, none of that actually matters. But talking with somebody like Mark Hughes, Mark and Corey Hughes, that does matter. That matters a lot because we can actually have a constructive dialogue and understand each other better. Talking with somebody from Antifa, God, that would be great. I would love to sit down and talk with somebody from Antifa and figure out why they, you know, why they do what they do. Why do you constantly cover your face? Why do you feel it necessary to go up and attack people? Or why does it why is it perceived that way? Why do a lot of people who call themselves members of Antifa, who are members of Antifa, feel it necessary 
to go up and assault people. I would love to sit down and ask some questions like that. But we don't. And we can't, uh, we shouldn't be infighting because I took a picture with a couple of guys from Black Lives Matter and said that they're actually very good guys and I want to talk with them more. I think that's silly. I think it's nonsensical. I think it's very close-minded at minimum. I think we should, uh, I think we should all be more open to that. But anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox for now. And I know I have not done a um, historical reading here in a, you know, for a while. I am going to pick that up again next week. I, uh, I've been lazy, so I deeply, deeply apologize for that. Uh, but again, I'm going to pick that up next week. And uh, hopefully we can have a good conversation here pretty soon. There are a couple other guests that I want to have on as well that I met at the Time Magazine photo shoot. And um, again, I'm super excited about this project. I cannot wait for it to come out so that way we can uh, uh, actually talk about it more. I think it's going to be truly amazing and, and awesome. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends and family. Help spread the message of liberty. And uh, please consider subscribing and rating if you have not done so already. And until next Monday, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo. Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production, hosted and edited by Derek Wills. Copyright, Lone Star Gun Rights 2018.